If you have been joining with us over the last uh, three weeks, we have been looking at this verse in Isaiah that tells of a king who is to come, a king who will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And today we're going to take a look at that fourth name in that list as, as we see these characteristics lived out in Jesus. And if I'm honest, I might say Prince of Peace seems to be the most ironic of all the names listed in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm not sure about you, but I don't feel much peace in general at Christmas, and this year's probably no different. I went to Target yesterday because my sons decided that they wanted to buy Christmas gifts for each other, which is really sweet. But Target, the Saturday before Christmas, I'm not sure anybody inside Target knows that there is a global pandemic going on. I mean, it was so jam-packed and everybody was around there wearing their masks and trying to social distance as much as possible. But you can only shove so many bodies down a Lego aisle at Target before social distancing is just not a thing, right? And there was no peace in my heart at Target yesterday. Normally, we're looking for, we're busy with Christmas shopping, Christmas parties, prepping for family to come. And all of those things cause a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety in our lives, and really kind of rob us of the peace that God wants to have. And yet, in this year, without the parties, without family coming, it doesn't feel much more peaceful feels maybe a little more sad. If you think about the last year, there hasn't been much peace as I homeschool my children. Let's be honest. There hasn't been much peace as my wife homeschools our children. She's got the degree, not me. But still, we didn't, she didn't go to school to teach our kids. And for those families who are doing that, and for whatever your situation is, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of peace this year at Christmas. I think we'd all like a little bit of peace and quiet. But in the words of the great philosopher, the author of The Princess Bride, I think he would look at us when we say peace and say, I do not think it means what you think it means. You see, we want peace to be calm, everything to be right. We just want no conflict. We want the stress removed from our lives. The original word for peace in the Old Testament is shalom, a Hebrew word which means completeness, soundness, wholeness. The idea being that there are no pieces missing, everything is together. And this word continues that definition into the New Testament with the Greek word erene. So repeat that back to me. It helps me know you're all still awake. You haven't fallen asleep in the first three minutes. Irene. Nice. Now you can go and tell your friends you know three languages. So it'll be awesome. This idea is really important. And Tim Keller says, peace is complete reconciliation. A state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension. Physical, emotional, social, and spiritual. Because all relationships are right, perfect, and filled with joy. 
Let that sink in for just a minute. Peace, shalom, irene, is complete reconciliation. A state of fullest flourishing because all relationships are right, perfect, and filled with joy. You see, I think if we're going to have a true biblical understanding of peace, we have to first understand that the Prince of Peace came not to make us happy, but whole. If you miss everything else I say today, don't miss that. The Prince of Peace came to make us whole, not happy. You see, our lives are complex. They're intricately woven together. And if any one piece of life is out of place or missing, that shalom is gone. Think about this. For me, what it looks like for me to be mentally at peace means I'm up early, probably at five o'clock because that's the only time there's quiet in my house. I'm going to have a cup of coffee and I'm going to do some reading. It means I'm going to plan out time in my day to think and reflect and to process the things that are going on around me. Physically, it means I'm getting some form of exercise. It means I'm putting the right food into my body and I'm eating a healthy diet so I have the energy to go through the day and to get what I need. And most of all, and probably the piece I missed more often than not is, it means I'm getting sleep more than like four hours a night but I'm resting so that physically I'm whole. Spiritually, it means I'm engaging in reading my Bible on my own, not just waiting on Sunday morning, but reading it Monday through Saturday in some form of routine. It means I'm engaging daily in prayer with my Heavenly Father about the things that are going on in life and the things that I'm struggling with, the things that He wants me to be doing. And it means I'm actively participating in a small group where I'm being fed and being challenged by others around me. Emotionally, it means I have a healthy expression of my emotions. doesn't mean I'm not sad or I'm not angry or I'm not happy, but that my expression of all of those emotions is in a healthy manner. And it means that I'm aware of how the way I'm expressing those emotions is impacting the people around me. And if one of those pieces is gone there's no peace. And that's a, that's a lot to bring together, but the Bible makes it clear that this is what Jesus wants for us. Take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. It says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything. He made everything whole in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The Prince of Peace has come to make us whole, has come to look at each one of those dimensions of our lives and make sure there's no pieces missing. He hasn't come to make us happy. And his death and resurrection bring wholeness to all of creation, Not just you and me, but to everything around us. How does it happen? I think the Prince of Peace makes us whole first by restoring our relationship with the Father. 
That relationship that Jesus came to restore, he came to restore it to the place that it was when God intended and created it to be. You see, God never intended for us to have a broken relationship with him. He created us to be in relationship with him, to walk with him like Adam and Eve did in the garden. That's what perfect wholeness looks like. But it didn't take us very long to break that. And that was never God's desire. It was never God's heart. It was never what God wanted. And if you've read the Old Testament at all, you can see God tried time and time again to figure out a way to fix that and to bring peace and to bring wholeness between us and him. And there was no way to do it. However, God came, loved us so much, he came and walked this earth to restore that relationship with us. To allow us to experience the peace that he wants us to have. Now, when I think about restoring something, I am not super handy. But in high school, my small group leader, his name was Brian. He bought a 1937 Dodge Ram truck. Now, when he bought it, it was missing pieces of the body. What was there was mostly rust. The interior was totally destroyed. And Brian began the hard and long work of restoring and rebuilding that truck back to perfect form. He started by taking and mudding the outside of it and sanding it and mudding it and sanding it and then eventually painted it. And he did everything but the engine. And I asked him, I said, why are you fixing everything else but you're just totally ignoring the engine? And he's like, because if I fix the engine, I'll drive it. And I'll never finish the project. And so I remember I graduated. The truck still wasn't done. It still didn't run. It looked a lot better. I mean, it was this beautiful, like electric blue. For Greg's sake, I might say it was sapphire, like our guest experience shirts. But it was this electric blue. And I came home from college and I went to visit Brian because our relationship continued. He said, hey, you want to go for a ride? Uh-huh. And it, we went out to the garage and he turned it on and just the hum of that engine and it was loud. He put like glass pack mufflers on it so it was really loud. But Brian invested years into restoring that truck. And when I think about the investment he made in that, God made so much more of an investment in us. It didn't come quickly. It didn't come overnight. But he took the broken down rusty pieces of our lives and he molded them back together. And through the blood of Christ, he sees us as the finished 1937 Dodge Ram truck. Shiny, and beautiful. You see, this is good news for everyone, not just for a certain group of people. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18 says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. Because of God. Christ's work on the cross, we experience grace. 
that makes us whole and complete. This grace makes us 100% adequate for everything God wants. God doesn't look at us any longer and see the rusty old truck. He looks at us and sees a new creation crafted in the hands of a loving creator. But we won't experience peace until we are aware that we are enough in God's sight. Not because of what you and I have done. Not because we've earned it. Not because we've merited it. Not because we've done really good things. But because of what Christ has done on the cross. This whole and restored relationship is available through Jesus. And if you've never experienced that wholeness or that peace, we have people online who would love to pray with you or talk to you. There will be people after the service in the room who would love to pray and talk with you about experiencing that peace for the first time today. But the Prince of Peace came to restore that relationship. But it wasn't just about us. The Prince of Peace came to make us people of peace. You see, the peace that God has given us isn't just for us to hold and just to have. It should push us out as whole and complete to bring peace to those around us. Listen to the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, just a few verses ahead of where we read, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. If peace is wholeness, it's not just wholeness for us. It's wholeness for our neighbor. It's wholeness that works for the benefit of the other. Not just like, oh yeah, I can be in the same room. I can sit in the same pew. Six feet apart, of course, but I can sit in the same pew. No, I want to fight and work for the benefit of those who can't fight and work for themselves. That's what we're called to be. That's what Christ came to do, to break down that hostility. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. How are we doing, church, at always being humble and gentle? I think if there were two adjectives people would pick to describe me, humble and gentle would probably not come to the top of the list. But Jesus says, this is what I need you to be. And I need you to be patient. Now, I think we all have that one person, right, who is just 
so hard to be patient with or that one situation that is just really hard for us to be patient with. For me, it's my mom and technology. And mom, if you're watching online, I love you, I love you, I love you. But my mom will call me with a computer question and she'll say, my computer's doing this, what do I do? One, I am not a tech genius. Two, I can't, well, I see this thing on my screen. That's great. I can't see that on my screen, mom. So I can't replicate that, right? And my patience just begins to quickly dwindle. Who's that person for you or that situation for you that just immediately shorts out all patience you have? God says, this is what I want from you. I've come to bring peace and wholeness to you so that through the power of my Holy Spirit living in you, through humility and gentleness and love and patience, you can bring peace to those around you. You can fight for peace for everyone. Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of the book, Paul is talking about the armor of God that we put on to fight the battles that we face in this world. And he says, for shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. How are we doing at taking peace? When we walk into a room or into a situation, do we bring peace? Do we bring humility and gentleness, and love, and patience. Not because of who we are, but because of what we've experienced. I pray that we would desire to see God's kingdom of peace expand to our places of greatest need as we long for the peace that's still yet to come. And third, the Prince of Peace makes us whole by bringing peace in the midst of conflict, not an end to conflict. I think true peace is actually probably most seen in the middle of conflict. Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God didn't stand far off. He came and saw our brokenness and our hurting, and he entered into our conflict. Now, I know I'm, you've heard it before, and it makes you upset every time, and I just have to be honest, I'm still not a fan of Christmas music. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I am a fan of being teachable, and I passionately believe that we have to be teachable. So Zach has been challenging me on my distaste of Christmas music and challenging me to be a little less snarky and a little less pessimistic. And so this week I took him up on it. I listened for once. I know for those of you who know me well, that's kind of an amazing task. Maybe the Christmas song I have the hardest time with, please don't throw anything at me if you're in the room, is Silent Night. I know it's beloved. I just don't get it. All is calm. All is bright. Yeah, I, I don't think so. 
I don't think it was calm for the shepherds in the field. It might've been bright when the angels showed up, but I don't think it was calm. I have two kids, so I know the first night that an infant is born is not calm. I don't think it was calm for the people living in Bethlehem when Herod decided to kill all of the male children under two. And I just don't think it was really calm. I have a hard time with this song. And Zach said, fine, read the story behind the song. All right, so I did. And it's actually maybe, I'm glad I read it in 2020 because I think it probably speaks to 2020 more than it spoke to any year in my life. For those of you who don't know, the psalm was written by the composer who sat on a hillside overlooking in the middle of a calm night. And he saw the snow fall in Bavaria. And he watched it. But what had happened just before that were decades of political upheaval, war, and economic hardship. It was written in 1816 and Napoleon had just disempowered, looted, and set fire to entire stretches of land through a series of war and military campaign. Additionally, in 1815, there was a volcano that exploded in the Indonesian islands that increased the temperature of the world uh, by a degree or two and caused it to snow in the, in the middle of the summer in 1816. It's actually known as the year without a summer. I think some of us feel that way about 2020. It was the year that was without a summer. And it's against this backdrop that Joseph Moore wrote this song. It was during a time of utter desperation, poverty, desperate for hope. People were hungry, deeply in debt, and lacked perspective. And into that, Joseph Moore sits on his balcony, watches the snowfall, and writes the song Silent Night. I have a new appreciation for the song. But I think that's exactly what Jesus did. He looks at the heartache and the stuff that's broken in our lives. And he walked right into the middle of it. You see, the Prince of Peace didn't come and immediately end all of that conflict. No, he walked into our despair. He walked into our sorrow. He walked into our hopelessness. And out of it, he brought death. He came to join us in the middle of our deepest hurts and remind us that it's only temporary. In the words of one of my most insightful friends, Wendy, all is not calm and bright but all is restored and whole. As we come to Advent 2020, most of us would not say that all is calm and bright in our lives. But because Jesus is in the middle of that with us, we can say all is whole and restored. And we won't see that perfectly in this place. But we look forward with hope to when Christ will return and make everything complete or when he calls us home.
Prince of Peace didn't come to make us happy. He came to make us whole. Jesus came to restore our relationship with the Father. He came to make us people of peace, and he came to bring peace in the midst of our conflict. My prayer this Advent season is that each of us may experience the peace of Jesus and share it with those around us. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful that you sent your son, this baby into our lives, into this place to restore us. And God, we look forward with hope for the time when he will come again and all will be restored just the way you made it. And God, in the midst of that, as we wait, we pray that we would know I pray that each of us would know that we are not alone in this. That God, peace will come. That we can have peace with you through your son's death. And God, I pray that that would give us comfort. God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit working in us, you would make us people of peace who share your love and your grace and your compassion with each and every person we come in contact with. God, in all of this, we pray that you would be glorified. That the world around us would know that no matter what, they are loved by the God who created them. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit.